Israel's last days. Israel's last days. Israel? Well, Jacob. Jacob, of course. Over here in Genesis chapter 48, we're going to look at Jacob's final days and hours with his son Joseph, Joseph's sons, and grandchildren-to-be, and a blessing bestowed upon them. And we have certainly gone through a very interesting account, a very interesting account of this family and their ancestral lineage, going all the way back, of course, to Abraham. And we've seen what faith in God produces, and we've seen what lack of faith in God produces. We've seen the consequences of sin in a family and what that produces, what that cultivates. And the end product, of course, is not a wonderful one at all. However, on the other side, we see what faith in God certainly does produce and the blessings that come with faith in God and obedience to God's word in this ancient world as they were submissive to the Ancient of Days, the Great I Am. And um, I implore you, I encourage you, stick around. Learn a thing or two along with us as we will go through chapter 48 of Genesis. Stefan Maez, my name, addedsouls.com is the website. If you're new here, by all means, consider subscribing, liking, sharing, drop a comment, share the the link far and wide on your social media platforms. Maybe somebody else out there, just like you and I, find this kind of information educational and certainly uh, beneficial to our faith this day. We are commanded by the New Testament system, Paul the Apostle to be precise, to learn from the Old Testament writings, for they are indeed inspired. And we can learn the nature of God and the nature of man and we can certainly recognize practical application principles. You and I can uh, be the recipients of in our current age. And so that's what we want to do. And I certainly appreciate your kind attention to that end. Genesis chapter 48. If you are interested to see our archived sessions, by all means do so. We stream live on YouTube, on Rumble, on Twitter, on Facebook. And uh, we certainly are uh, in audio format on all sorts of other platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Substack, Amazon, Google, you name it. So uh, it's available to you. We produce this material, this content, for the benefit of our faith so that we can reach the faithless, renew the fallen, and reinforce the faithful. So quite an account that we have certainly embarked on, great emotional investment as we, you and I, learning this information, and we make our way to chapter 48. Of course, Jacob, Israel, uh, was certainly, he and his family, wonderfully blessed by God through Joseph and the providential path of things that have occurred to which Joseph, in a position of authority and power over there in Egypt, was capable of 
blessing Israel, Jacob, his siblings, his family, with security, land, lineage, nourishment in a time of famine. And you and I, of course, can recognize that if we too are faithful to God, we will find many blessings. Well, that doesn't alleviate us from the woe of this fallen world. We are certainly the recipients of sorrow and pain and loss, and such things will continue until this earth comes to its end in time. However, we are in the New Testament system in the stewardship of the Messianic age. You and I live in the Christian era there, like that, right? You and I live in the Christian era. And in the Christian era, it is no longer a physical Israel. It is a spiritual Israel, where it no longer is in the hands of a uh, given people, if you will, who had the law and were blessed with the law. No, now all of us have the law, the law of Christ, which is mercy and grace. And uh, we no longer need to be Jew to be uh, born again into this covenant as a child of God, given the name Christian, a follower of the Christ, a believer in the Christ. You and I are no longer in physical Israel, though we are reading information in the age of physical Israel, which things were to occur and move forward to bring forth the Messiah to save mankind from their sins, fulfilling, of course, the first recorded messianic scripture of Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, these things have come to fulfillment. And we now, through the Christ, have redemption through the Son of God, our Lord and Master, our King. We are legal citizens of his kingdom. When we, you and I, of a free-thinking mind, chose, made the decision upon the investigative information and evidence provided, chose of a thinking mind, a freely thinking mind, to become legal citizens of his kingdom. We adhered to the keys, quote-unquote, the conditions, and we understand that format and that illustration, for you and I in a country must adhere to the legal policies of the country to become a citizen, and we would not deny that, that is simply the law of the land. You seek to become an American or a Canadian or wherever. You must follow through the policies of the land in order to fulfill the conditions and become the recipient of the documents allowing you now to move freely as a citizen of that land. Well, you and I, when we read the information and the documents, the inspired witnessed documents of the New Testament system, the age of the Christ in the first century and learning of our Lord and Messiah, and, uh, and master, we saw come to fulfillment the cross, death, burial, resurrection, witness, and ascension of the Messiah. And we saw the fulfillment of the kingdom to which he was crowned king and the conditions given to the people, Acts chapter 1 and 2. And all since that age until now and in between who have followed the conditions, the keys, being born again, not of our own meritorious earning or boasting of works, but rather full, submissive, desperate plea to our Lord and Master to be the recipient of the freely given gift of the gospel, which is redemption, salvation, the forgiveness of sins. In the Old Testament, that is not how things operated, though they operated with faith, and faith is the key component and priority 
the driving component, the source in which is necessary for us to submit and follow our Lord and Master, in the Old Testament it was of a physical nature. And though in the New Testament we see the spiritual within physical containers assembled together, his church, if you will, his kingdom, it is of a spiritual kind. So, though it is true that if we follow Christian principles, it is of a greater statistic that we can become the recipients of wise decisions and therefore have lineage and land. Because if you follow Christian principles, you will love your neighbor, you will be wise and precautious, you will have integrity, you will have all the uh, uh, necessary components to give you the best outcome in this life, as brief as it is. So it is true that if you are a Christian and faithful to the Christ, you will make wise decisions guided by the penmanship of the Holy Spirit. And you may be wise with all the things this world throws at you, and that could give you security, or more so security than others who do not, and stumble and fall at foolish decisions. However, it is not a solidified objective absolute that you will have physical blessings in abundance. It reigns here on the believer and on the unbeliever, you must be aware. However, spiritually, as spiritual Israel we now are, no longer Greeks, no longer Gentiles or Romans or pagans or heathens or Jews, we are now Christians. We are given all spiritual blessings in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1. So we are reading information, of course, of Israel's last days, Jacob's last days, in an ancient world in regards to the completion and fulfillment of an era and a family. And it is most fascinating, truly interesting, and filled with all sorts of wonderful uh, dialogue, interaction, and a message, of course. A very powerful message of love, God's love, and his compassion for mankind. Now it came about after these things that Joseph was told. This is chapter 48, verse 1, and let me put that up on the screen so we can follow along together. Now, the translation I'm reading from is the New American Standard Bible, the 95 uh, edition, I think it is. It is not my preferred go-to Bible, if you will. My preferred would be the King James or the New King James, but I find utility in the New American Standard Bible for a great many reasons that I'm not going to get into in this session, remaining focused on our theme on Wednesdays, which is a Bible study, and our Bible study has been going through the book of Genesis. But just know that I have the New American Standard Bible version, 1995. This is, of course, also the Bible that was given to me 20-some years ago by my parents in a time where I didn't care much about the Word of God or following Jesus at all. Yeah, they gave me this Bible, so you see it has sentimental value, and it has indeed still taught me the truth, though I see some discrepancies in the translation in the original language, and they certainly have not translated it properly in a few very remote, minute locations that can be easily discussed and uh, learned more accurately. That aside, um, it is indeed a wonderful, a wonderful Bible, and uh, yeah, we're going to go through through that translation. That's why you see the translation there up on the screen. 
Uh, Genesis 48 verse 1 says, Now it came about after these things that Joseph was told, Behold, your father is sick. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. Okay, so information has been delivered to Joseph in regards to a concerning, uh, some concerning information. And uh, so he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him to um, seek about uh, this concern. And in verse 2, it says, When it was told to Jacob, which is Israel, you need to understand that. That may be a bit confusing, but Israel is Jacob, Jacob is Israel. Behold, he speaks, when it was told to Jacob, behold, it quotes, Your son, Joseph, has come to you. Israel collected his strength and sat up in the bed. So here is Jacob, Israel. And we've been through a lot in this family, haven't we? Uh, he is given the information that his son is approaching. Joseph is approaching, and so da Jacob makes the effort, of course, and respect to uh, sit up, and which must have been very difficult for him in his age and the condition of his body. And in verse 3 it says, Then Jacob said to Joseph, so here is the engagement of information or the interaction, participation from both parties. Jacob first says to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me, at Luz, L-U-Z. And that sounds so strange for me to try to pronounce that, and I know I'm not pronouncing it properly for sure, but L-U-Z, Luz, Luz, Luz? I'll say Luz. In the land of Canaan, and blessed me, God appeared, God Almighty, the living God, not the gods of the Egyptians who are created by the minds and hands of men, for the selfish ambitions of mankind's um, sensational or mythical pathogens and, and, and directions in life, arteries, if you will. No, apart from that, away from that, separate from those things, those idolatrous things that have no life and produce absolutely no answer in life, God Almighty set apart, unique, the living God, the great I am, the ancient of days, appeared to me, Jacob, Israel, where? At Luz, specific location, in the land of Canaan. And what did he do there? Well, he blessed me. And in verse 4, he said to me, Behold, I, God, will make you, Jacob, faithful and numerous. You will be blessed with ancestral lineage as the sands of the beach. And I will make you a company of peoples. You will have community and culture and will give this land to your descendants after you for an everlasting possession. So for the given time of Israel and his ancestral lineage and the package of that bloodline, if you will, land would be given. It is not an eternal destination in which is still applicable today. It had an expiration date. It was specific to Israel and the ancestral lineage of that people. Sometimes, most times, sadly, unfortunately, misguided we are to believe the erroneous teachings of a great many who have uh, since created Christianity in their own image instead of following the image of the Holy Scriptures, the author's intent for our minds, uh, 
we've come to sadly lack discernment in these fields of religious education within the realm of Christianity. What am I saying? Well, more so now, of course, that it is amped up in our current public life on all the propaganda channels and uh, also our grassroots channels, if you will, or from both ends in all parties, speaking about current Israel. And um, there is much to be said about that. But we can't go to these here verses and try to apply that in modern-day Israel and say, well, here's a verse that says, forevermore should the land be possessed by Jews. No, not at all. That's a falsehood, and that is easily refuted in an honorable court of law with tangible information if we simply look at the context and rightly handle the scriptures for the greater good of the gospel, in accordance, of course, with the author's intent. It's very important, and you can recognize that if you are a humble honest student of the text. So it's important for us to understand that when God, of course, blessed and gave this instruction, behold, I will make you fruitful and numerous, and I will make you a company of peoples, and will give this land to your descendants after you for an everlasting possession, you must understand that has the confinements and boundaries of an expiration date. And the scriptures it's themselves, of course, reveal in later time that the fulfillment has indeed come. That the age of uh, Israel, physical Israel, has come to completion and is now over. So no, they do not yet still have land that is entitled to them or anything along those lines whatsoever. Sadly, a great many have fallen prey to those misguided ambitions. Okay, bit of an excursion to that, to that end, but we come back to the text, and it says, you know, God gives Israel this blessing. In verse 5, now, your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt, before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and Simon are. Now, again, let's not miss the direction here of the text. In verse 3, it says, Then Jacob said to Joseph, so here is Jacob speaking to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me. Son, God appeared to me. And here's where he appeared to me. And this is what he said to me, that he would make me fruitful and numerous and would make uh, my company of peoples, community, culture, ancestral lineage, bloodlines, security, nourishment, uh, all of that kind of stuff, okay, uh, while we live. While, while we live in the ancestral lineage of our bloodline. Now your two sons, whom were born to you in the land of Egypt. Now this is Joseph's sons. They are mine. They belong to God, okay? Ephraim and Manasseh shall belong to God, as Reuben and Simon are. But your offspring, verse 6, that have been born after them shall be yours they shall be called by the names of their brothers in their inheritance. Now, as for me, verse 7, when I came from Padan, Rachel died, to my sorrow, in the land of Canaan, on the journey, 
when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath. And I buried her there on the way to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem. That's sad, right? Having to say bye to Rachel. A departure is always, of course, sorrowful. And it is indeed something we have to navigate through in this life, saying bye to those closest to us, those we love dearly, whether they be in the faith or not. And sadly, when they are not in the faith, it stings that much stronger. Yet there is a condition being delivered to Joseph here. Through the authority and word of God, which was, of course, delivered to Jacob. And there are conditions to be met and to be observed and received and certainly practiced, obeyed, if you will. Now, as for me, when I came to Padan, Rachel died. Okay, so in verse 8, it says, When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? So he gave him the message of God delivered in regards to his sons and where they belong and how they belong and what will take place here. And it's interesting because when Jacob saw Joseph's sons, he did not recognize them. Of course, he said, who are these? And of course, Joseph said to his father in verse 9, they are my sons whom God has given me here. So he said, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. I'm going to deliver upon them a... uh, a blessing, a condition of their future lineage, which is most joyful in God's sight. And, of course, through the free will of man, one can receive blessing, yet seek to corrupt himself away from the blessing, And those things, of course, must be understood. However, within the context we move forward, Joseph said to his father, they are my sons whom God has given me here. And that's an interesting verse as well that we should take practical application for. I have children. I have a wife. They're not mine. They belong to God. However, God has saw it fit. For what reason? I know not. I am not deserving or worthy of any of these wonderful blessings God has allowed me to experience a faithful, beautiful wife and three wonderful, faithful uh, children. Uh, It has been, of course, a great fulfillment in my life, and I am truly uh, content as a happy man uh, with the life I have been allowed to have in Christ. The point is, of course, all things you have in blessing Employment, perhaps, financial prosperity, health, nourishment, food, security, land, family, friends, all things that are good and upright and decent belong to God, and God is to be thanked for it. It's truly that simple, and it keeps us humble to recognize that, and I appreciate How Joseph, always successful through the hand of God, no doubt, to recognize where his blessings come from. They are my sons whom God has given me here. So he said, bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. And so a blessing is to come forth for his sons. In verse 10, now the eyes of Israel 
were so dim from age that he could not see. He was basically blind, right? Can't see what's before him. So Joseph brought them close to him to give him perhaps more of an opportunity, of course, to at least uh, uh, see something or feel something, right? Have the sense of closeness with his family. And so Joseph brought them close to him, and uh, Jacob kissed them and embraced them. Very fond and loving, uh, family and cultural reception. Israel said to Joseph in verse 11, I never expected to see your face. And behold, God has let me see your children as well. You see, if we simply trust in the works of God, it is understood in principle that we will be blessed above and beyond what we would have ever thought to be. I, in a million years, as we so speak in the slang world of our common dialect, would have never thought to be a happily married man with three wonderful children growing up within the wonderful securities of accurate spiritual information. I just... I'm supposed to be dead like 20 years ago. <laughs> um, to be alive and to have these things at times makes me feel guilty. And that is of my own fault, and I have to navigate through that because of the many evil things I have done in my past life, and the many struggles and immaturities and shameful, embarrassing things. Um, I would never have thought God allow me to work for him. And I only ask to sweep the floors, and yet he has given me much responsibility. A wonderful, growing congregation of his a wonderful family and uh, an eager anticipation of his return so that we can all see him and be with him forever it's just again I don't deserve it yet I do know he loves me and I try my best to show him my love and I know we all struggle and we all need his grace but the more we know him the more we know how he loves us truly and how he is always eager and willing to forgive us, to instruct us. It's just so wonderful that this truth has been with mankind and the great I am since the very beginning. So Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face and behold, God has let me see your children as well. Of all the things I have done, of all the moments I have experienced, God saw it fit to bless me in such a way, above and beyond what I thought I would be allowed to have. Not only do I see you, Joseph, alive and well, my son, whom I thought had departed this earth at the hands of wild beasts, yet here you are, and not only you, but your children, my grandchildren. What a blessing that is, truly indeed. Then Joseph took them, in verse 12, from his knees and bowed with his face to the ground, bowed, bowed, bowed himself with his face to the ground. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand, 
towards Israel's left, and Manasseh with his left hand towards Israel's right, and brought them close to him. And I find that <laughs> that information revealed quite interesting because everywhere is in the scripture you hear the language of left and right, right and left, and what do we see in the sociopolitical realm? It's the same. How do we speak to each other? Quite often it is with that it is with that tongue, is it not? Oh, he's too far left. Oh, he's too far right. Are you on the left or are you on the right? Religiously, are you right or are you left? It's interesting how we identify both uh, as descriptive to a certain component of conversation or lifestyle, whether it be sociopolitically or religiously. Uh, I find that interesting. And you see, of course, in the scriptures, it has significance, uh, not always, of course, to sociopolitical affairs uh, or religious affairs, but at times cultural simply a significance of respect or honor or the bestowing or partaking or recipi uh, uh, receiving of blessing or agreements, things of that kind. So Joseph uh, did that. Joseph took them both, his sons Ephraim with his right and, uh, hand towards Israel's left, that's Jacob's left, and Manasseh with his left hand towards Israel's right and brought them close to him. Now in verse 14, Israel stretched out his right hand. So here's Jacob the father of Joseph, with his grandchildren, Manasseh and Ephraim, right? So Jacob stretches out his right hand and lays it on the head of Ephraim. So Jacob's right hand laid on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. So Manasseh should have received the right hand and not the left hand, right? Something unorthodox is taking place here and being recognized, of course. <laughs> and we will see that. Now in verse 15, he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked. So again, the almighty, living, ancient of days. The living power that has always been, is now, and will forevermore be. And may I just insert this thought. You and I today, in our current era, learn of a God, follow a God, and worship a God. The God. Unique. God. Holy that has seen all ages of man. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We speak to him. He has spoken. He has spoken to believers. For you and I, in age format, thousands of years ago, tell me you have the spiritual insight to connect the dots here, and how powerful and truly comforting that is, that you and I, at any moment's time, can go into Communication with the Ancient of Days, the Great I Am, only made possible through His Son, our King. And we can speak to the same God whom jo Jacob is speaking to J Joseph of. It's wonderful. Okay. So the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day. Descriptive information 
of the great I am, quite different than the gods of Egypt, if you will. The god before whom my fathers, the ancestral lineage and tradition of the unique god we follow. Abraham Isaac walked, lived in accordance to this living god, the god who has been my shepherd all my life to this day. The shepherd is the leader, he is the authority, he is the security. And in verse 16, we continue, the angel, the messenger who has redeemed me. This is Jacob, this is Israel speaking to Joseph. In the blessing, the angels, the messenger who has redeemed me from all evil. Redeemed. I owed a debt to evil and lawlessness, and I could not pay that debt. Good information was given in which a redemptive path forward could be received. The angel who has redeemed me from all evil. Bless the lads. Bless the lads. And may my name live on in them. It is specific. It is specific to the category and boundaries of this people. And the names, he says, of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And we understand the measurement of blessing you were found with in these ancient days, in the era of physical Israel. To have such an ocean of ancestry and bloodline is to have land, security, nourishment in the upper hand against the enemy. It's truly wonderful to see the descriptive nature of the great I am. And um, the bestowment of this blessing. So he continues in verse 17. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on Ephraim's head, it displeased him. And here's where, again, if we are paying attention to the details and the flow of this account, we are uh, 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 seeing in the text the description and priority of the great I am through Jacob and Joseph. And as this should be a wonderful moment of blessing and peaceful, humble mind, lawlessness is always creeping about. And man is is often tempted to deviate or compromise himself in a time in which would not be permissible, though there are no permissible times in which we should fall into the temptations of things that are lawless. Yet look at how this happens. Follow along here. When Joseph saw 
that his father laid his right hand on Ephraim's head instead of Manasseh, right? Because it should have been Manasseh. There's a beautiful, wonderful moment taking place here. Jacob is elderly. He has a hard time seeing. He, it took everything he had to sit up on his bed and, and to have this moment with his son and his grandchildren. Yet within the heart of Joseph, a displeasing account is created. Now again, being displeased is not an act of lawlessness, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But why is this happening, and does it facilitate, or does it cultivate something that could grow in bitterness? We've seen this time and time again already in the book, haven't we not? And so let's, let's read the account here before following along. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on Ephraim's head, it displeased him. And he grasped his father's hand, took his father's hand, like grasped his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Like you're not supposed to do that, father, Jacob, Israel. That might be a grievance manifested into an act of dishonor. Well, the text continues, of course. In verse 18, it says, Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Place your right hand on his head. You're old, you're blind, and you're not doing things in the order and custom in which it is supposed to be bestowed. So Joseph says to his father, not so. Now let's read again here so that we don't miss it. Verse 17, when Joseph saw that his father had laid his right hand on Ephraim's head, it displeased him. And he grasped his father's, grasped his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. It's on Manasseh it should be going. Your right hand should be going on Manasseh's head. He is the firstborn. So Joseph says to his father, not so my father. For this one is the firstborn. Place your right hand on his head. You're doing it wrong. This is not the way it's supposed to be done. But Jacob, in verse 19, Israel, Jacob, his father, Joseph's father, refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also will become a people, and he also will be great. However, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. At times, we as parents certainly have a vision in which we see our sons and daughters in various careers doing various things, and faithfully, we should, in priority, be sure to raise them to know that be a faithful Christian is, is of most importance. You want to be doctors and lawyers and such? By all means. You want to work at McDonald's? Well, that's a great start. You have to start somewheres. You understand we have a, a thought. I have a thought on where my children are going and how they're going to go about it and what they're going to do with their lives. 
But sometimes, God, who knows better, has a different path and a different purpose to the fulfillment of his will. And that is why I remind myself every day when I thank God for my children that they're not my children, they're his. And he has simply borrowed them to me for a given time. And it is my duty for the given time that I have been blessed to have them, to raise them to be the best faithful Christians they can be. And they can be faithful Christians working at McDonald's, or they can be faithful Christians in positions of influence and power, politics, or as doctors, physicians, or as lawyers, advocates, or as anything and everything. For instance, I think my eldest son wants to continue his path and education within the realm of graphic design. I encourage that. That is a fine career. It's an upstanding career. My daughter wants to become a veterinarian. I encourage that. That's wonderful. She has a great fondness and interest in animals. She wants to help them, you see. Well, that's wonderful. That's a beautiful career. She can be a faithful Christian as a veterinarian. And my youngest son, Keenan, well, he just wants to be like daddy. So one day he wants to proclaim the word and he wants to teach the word and he wants to do these podcasts. And I encourage that. However, as they do belong to God, and we, my wife and I, pray fervently each day that they remain within God's instruction, then it is to God to bring them where they, they are to be. And at times, God's providence certainly has a way of bringing them to certain uh, things, if you will, that I might not approve, not because it is lawless or it is sinful, or because in my limited ability to foresee tomorrow, I have to trust in God who has seen all tomorrows. And I have to trust in him that he will indeed take care of his children. He has taken care of me. And I'm a mess, to say it lightly. <laughs> I assure you. Well, you can see how Joseph, in this moment, wants to fix the problem here. No, 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 that's not, that's not how it's supposed to be for Manasseh. And for Ephraim, here's, here's how it's supposed to be for them. This is the way we are supposed to do things, and this is how it's going to happen for them. No, 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 Jacob says, listen. Yes, they will both have blessing, but uh, the youngest one, the younger brother, will be greater than the oldest one, the eldest. And the youngest descendants shall become a multitude of nations. And of course, God utilizes man's free will to the fulfillment of his will, which is so powerful. It's just so powerful to me. Providence. So it continues and says in verse 20, He blessed them that day. Jacob blesses them that day, saying, By you, Israel will pronounce blessing, saying, May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. This is verse 20, chapter 48 of Genesis. 
May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph in verse 21, Behold, I am about to die. I am about to depart this earth. I've lived on it long enough. Time for me to go away now. But God will be with you. So though I, Jacob, am going to depart this earth, the Ancient of Days, the God of our forefathers, will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. A sojourn of sorts is taking place for the necessity of man's insight to the fulfillment of God's will. And you can rest assured upon God's instruction to be to be uh, complete. At times, that is indeed what we must say to our children in this way, in a practical application. Children, I will not always be with you. I have an expiration date. I must depart this earth one day. Only God knows. Yet God will not leave you alone. You may not have me as a physical vessel, literally, in the house with you any longer. But you will have the word of God with you. And he will be with you if you faithfully follow him. And he will teach you, as he has taught me, to seek ye first the kingdom, to live faithfully and love your brethren, and give your life for the greater good of the kingdom. So you will not be left an orphan within the lineage of our family if the book remains active and passionately involved in our lives. We will not be left as orphans. And we will not uh, be made to um, depart this earth without our Lord and Master, who sets us free from the bondage of death. So the information continues here in verse 22. It says, I give you one portion more than your brothers, which I took from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. So through conquest, of course, we have conquered and been given these here uh, gifts to which are given to the greater portion. And, um, yeah, that finishes there, 22. Why doesn't it move forward? I thought there'd be more. Prior chapter, next chapter. Genesis 48. Oh, yeah, I was looking at the wrong location, that's why. There we go. Yeah, that finishes off in 22. I give you one portion more than your brothers, which I took from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. I think in regards, of course, to the love that he had for his son and what his son had gone through. And um, that finishes off the chapter. And that finishes off this session, to which I truly uh, am thankful for your kind attention. Please consider subscribing to the channel, giving us a thumbs up, 
Share the link far and wide on your social media platforms. Leave a comment with us. And uh, if you would kindly so consider, if you find utility in the substance of the material we provide, we function through God's good grace in your willingness to support us financially. You can sign up to addedsouls.locals.com. It's free to sign up, and once there, you can support us monthly. No amount is too low, no amount is too high, and you will be given some exclusive content there. You can also give a donation through PayPal, my email address being addedsouls at gmail.com. I labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ over here in New Brunswick, Canada, and you can check out our .com, eastcoastchurchofchrist.com, or you can check out our Facebook page, East Coast Church of Christ. It is a wonderful mission. It is a growing mission, and we would love to have you involved. So please consider financially supporting the Added Souls Ministry through the Maya family as we labor alongside the East Coast Church of Christ. All right, my dear friends, Lord willing, tomorrow at 10 a.m. Atlantic Daylight Time, we shall uh, assemble again on this podcast session for a topical discussion. We'll see what that will be all about tomorrow's. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all I have for now. Stay focused. Stay positive. Lord willing, tomorrow. Peace out.